Julie Ryan, noted psychic and medical intuitive, is ready to answer your personal questions, even those you never knew you could ask. For more than 25 years, as she developed and refined her intuitive skills, Julie used her knowledge as a successful inventor and businesswoman to help others. Now, she wants to help you to grow, heal, and get the answers you've been longing to hear. Do you have a question for someone who's transitioned? Do you have a medical issue? What about your pet's health or behavior? Perhaps you have a loved one who's close to death and you'd like to know what's happening. Are you on the path to fulfill your life's purpose? No matter where you are in the world, take a journey to the other side and ask Julie Ryan. Everybody, welcome to the Ask Julie Ryan Show. I'm Julie, your host, and I'm so delighted you could join us. My intention in doing this show is to provide information, insight, and comfort to people all around the world by helping to answer life's unanswerable questions. And I am traveling this week. I'm on vacation. So we pre- I pre-recorded with another guest, Gary Temple Bodley. Well, he's the same guest I, I pre-recorded last time, Gary. <laughs> and uh, we had such a great time last time, and I had the, all these questions that I still wanted to ask Gary. And so we just thought that we'd do another one of these and, and play it while I was on vacation and couldn't do a live um, show. So if you go back to show number 48, you'll hear part one. This is part two, part duh. So, Gary, welcome back. Welcome back. Well, to thanks the... so much for having me again. Uh, you are most welcome. I had welcome. so much fun the first time, and <laughs> it seemed like it went so quickly that we only got to scratch the surface. That's right. That's right. And for those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to the first interview, Gary is a businessman who is now doing woo-woo. <laughs> I always laugh because I tell people I'm a businesswoman that does woo-woo. So we have a lot in common on that front. And also, Gary channels a group of spirit guides that, are, that call themselves Joshua. And when I scan Gary, when he's channeling Joshua, I can see several spirit guides standing behind him in a semicircle. And they look like different versions of Father Time. And Gary, sometime you and I need to, if you want, we don't need to, but it would be fun to figure out who all those different people, all those different spirits are, and what they were in a lifetime that correlates with what they're helping you with in this lifetime. I think that would be really interesting. I would love to do that. And I just got goosebumps when you came up with that idea. Okay, because spirit guides show up to me and they look like old men with white, long, long white hair and long white beards and long white robes, just so that I know that they're spirit guides. And then when I address each one individually, they tell me what their name is, when they lived, a little bit about what their lifetime was. I had a caller, I think, on my show a couple of weeks ago that wanted to do a past life thing and... Um, you know, we got information about how she was working in a foundry. I believe it was yeah. an, iron, an iron foundry. Did you hear that one? In by Charleston, right? Yeah, yeah Savannah, in Charleston. Charleston. Yeah, right. Charleston. Mm-hmm. So I get, I get all this really detailed information about what the spirit guides did in former lifetimes, and in particular, how they correlate with what you're doing in this lifetime. So... Um, 
it, that might be kind of fun. So maybe we yeah. can set that up sometime. That'd be so, great. Anyways, yeah. well, I, I had, as I mentioned, I had this list of questions, and I thought it would be fun just to ask some more of it, some more of them, and see what you have to say because what you teach through the information that Joshua provides for you and the other spirits and beyond, as my son Jonathan liked to say when he was little, um, he would say, Mommy, ask the spirits and beyond something when he was four or five. (laughs) So that's just kind of our, you know, our fun family thing that we say when we're doing woo-woo. And um, I think you get information from Joshua, but I also think you get information from other spirit guides and from the universe and from God and from all these different sources. And, and then you assimilate them all into who you are and what you believe and what you teach and, and all of that. So let's, let's start off with something that I hear you say all the time, which is things happen for us, not to us. So what the heck does that mean? That means that basically we are all limitless beings of pure positive love and acceptance. And that as beings of love in an attractive universe, the law of attraction, we can only attract love. Sometimes that love comes in the form of something you think is wrong. From your limited perspective, you think that getting into a car accident is wrong. When I was in college, I was working real hard going to school, I was being a waiter at night, and then I had this business with my friend Bruce, and I hated what I was doing. And instead of quitting, I got into this car accident, and this car accident totaled my car, and I was in the hospital and had to quit working with Bruce. So it ended that job or that business with Bruce that I didn't like doing, and at the time I perceived this as a bad thing. But actually, it led to so many other good things, and had that event not happened, my life would not have unfolded in a whole bunch of ways that it did. Um, And so from the perspective when you're just looking at something and you think it's wrong, That's a normal human tendency that we all have to judge something good or bad. In reality, everything is neutral, and we perceive it based on our, you know, beliefs and fears and desires and that sort of thing. Well, what's really happening is the universe is transforming you into the person who will be ready for everything you say you want, everything you've, all the desires that you have. And it does this by putting you in situations called manifestation events. So every time you feel a negative emotion, that's simply you taking a perspective that is not the same as your inner self. Your inner self knows what you want, can see your life from the non-physical realm or whatever, can see the overall path of your life, and knows that in order for you to get to where you want to go, to get to this desire, you have to change this one belief that's limiting you. And so you might have an interaction with someone or get in a fight with someone, and these fears that you have that you need to resolve will come to the surface. Well, if you don't really know how this works, you will sort of think that this thing that's happening is happening to you. It's sort of a bad thing that you've attracted. In reality, if you can see that it's bringing up these fears, bringing up these limiting beliefs that you can take a look at, then you can see how this event happened to you. You can see, well, why did my husband say that to me, or why did I get, you know, uh, a traffic ticket, that sort of thing. Everything that comes to you is for you, and if you can see it from that way, from an empowering way, then you can start to look at these little 
fears that you have and say, you know, that fear is not really real. It's not a real fear. That's never going to happen. That's no big deal. I don't have to worry about that. And Joshua teaches us, the main teachings of Joshua, is that we are moving from this fearful approach to life to an approach that is less fearful and less limiting. It's a love-based approach to life, where instead of trying to make things happen, you allow things to happen. And so that's why it, everything that happens for you, to you is happening for you. It seems to me that this is what the great religions and philosophies of the world have taught from the beginning of time. And, and it has to do with what they call faith, which is putting your faith in that everything is, everything that's happening is happening for good. Even when we can't understand it, we just have to have faith. That's what we're taught, you know, in these religions to, to move forward and to believe that, that this is all going to be in our best interest, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah, and, you know, from the perspective of time or from the perspective of someone else looking on it, they, you, um, you could sort of see how that situation was right. The trick is to figure out how it's right now, you know, when you're looking mm-hmm. at it. So anytime you think something's wrong, if you can just take a look at it, like... You, had, you were talking to someone yesterday who was receiving migraines. And uh-huh. you told her, instead of to look at those migraines as something that's happening to her, look at that as something happening for her, which gives her a chance to really think about her diet. And you showed her that this was a gift, really, because if she didn't get these migraines, she may never have changed her diet or, or found a diet that's more suitable to her body, which now is allowing her to live the life she wants to live and you know, live longer and all that stuff, live healthier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything that comes to you, if you can see it as a gift, instead of just initially pushing it away and saying that was wrong or the other people are wrong or whatever, it's a completely unique and new way to look at life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that when those of us that practice that, and I do, and I know you do, it's not easy, first of all. It takes, it's, it really becomes a habit, I find, for myself after I do, after I've done it for quite a few years. And the other thing is, I get blowback from people and pushback from people who don't understand the concept and they think, oh, get your head out of the clouds, you're just not realistic. And so... That's okay, because in that situation, and, I, and I'm eager to hear what you have to say about this, but that, in that situation, I just say to myself, that's okay, I'll just lead by example. Because trying to have a yes. discussion with somebody about that, I have found has not been helpful to that person. It just gets them wound up, and then they, it's just not worth it. So what I have found works for me is if I lead by example – there have been several occasions where people have come back at a later time and said, okay, what, you know, what's this thing that you're talking about? They just right. weren't ready to hear it at the time. Do you, wh- right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, anyone who's listening to this conversation right now is a vibrational match to what we're talking about. So you, they, you might be out there listening and not understand everything we're talking about, but you might be interested in it, and that's the first step. So be open to the possibility that... There is more going on here than you think, 
and that when we talked about this being a playground, that's what Earth really is. It's an environment to do whatever you want to do, and there are no limitations. You can do anything you want to do. However, when you practice this new approach to life, which is really the approach of not seeing anything as wrong, it is super hard to do, super hard to incorporate in your life. I have troubles all the time, and I've been doing this now for three and a half years. I was on a beautiful day with my wife and our niece on Sunday. We went to a fantastic brunch, and we're driving up the coast. Lily went to the dealership and got a convertible BMW, so we're driving in this convertible and having a great time. And then all of a sudden, I get a call from someone who wants to buy a house, and I had meant to meet with them, but was sort of stuck, and I find myself wanting to control the conditions and wanting to change what was going on in the moment so that I could accommodate this person that I thought I need to accommodate. And then, you know, Lily gets upset because I'm not going with the flow of what we were doing, and, you know, even though I know this stuff, it's still hard to incorporate in your life. Looking back at it, I can see where I had a little wobble there, but in the moment, that's the toughest part. And Lily is your wife. Yeah. For those of those who are listening that have no clue who Lily is, she is his. <laughs> she is his human wife, and she's gorgeous. Right. <laughs> and um, you, you did really good. My husband, who's this, you know, big ex football player. Southern guy from Alabama with his deep Southern accent, he would say, Gary, you out kicked your coverage on that woman. Which <laughs> football people means, you know, yep. you, you're really lucky to have her, but That's she's lucky right. to have you. She's lucky to have you too. But he says, That's what I think. the other yep. thing he says is when people say something to him about, you know, us being together, he'll say, yeah, even a blind squirrel can find an acorn once in a while. <laughs> so yep. I guess I guess he thinks of me as an acorn. I don't know. A big acorn. A b- um, is a good thing. Yeah, yeah I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell Lily that, that maybe she, maybe if, when she meets my husband, she'll, he'll probably think of her as a beautiful acorn. Mm-hmm. Tell her that story. So yeah. anyways, um, well, and I think, too, in that situation, when you were trying to control the events that were unfolding, how much does that play into your wanting to please because it goes back to your self-worth stuff, your self, self-worth issues? That's what I find myself doing, and so that's why I'm asking the question, I guess, because I would do the so, same thing, and I would think, okay, well, yeah. i got to take care of this person. And it's like, well, no, not really, because they called out of the blue, and we don't have an appointment. And So how, do, how does that resonate with you? Well, this is a, a, a thing more about a fear of lack or abundance thing, where here okay. is a buyer where I can make a commission on the sale and – I'm thinking that, oh, I need to do this now, otherwise it might not happen, right? Okay. That the universe isn't providing abundance. This is this opportunity that I have to control and take over. And, of course, that's not the case at all. We can reschedule. We can do it another time. I don't need to change what's going on to change the conditions just to accommodate this fear I have of lack of abundance. Mm-hmm. And I'm a very abundant person, I don't have any issues with that, and I still think about it. You know, I, it mm-hmm. still causes me to want to control the conditions. Instead of mm-hmm. going with the flow of the conditions and realizing that 
this call came up for me just to bring up this fear that I can look at later and say, you know, what was that all about? That was this fear I had of not making this commission. And it's meaningless because money's flowing in from all sources anyway. Who cares if he buys or not? It, that's not important. And how the money comes isn't important. It'll come when it needs to come. And so I can, I can stand in my you know, authenticity and the power and just say, I'm sorry, I'm out in the middle of a fun trip with my wife and my niece, and it's, I'm nowhere near there now, so we'll have to reschedule. Mm-hmm. And the other person would be like, okay, that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Or not, you know, but it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with me. Right. Right. And, and on that topic, I, I've heard you say many, many times that if we're grateful for all the good things in our lives, and they don't have to be even material things. They could be like for air and for sunshine and for things like that. Um, that if we're grateful for everything that's good in our lives and we perceive things as everything being good, that our finances are going to improve and yeah. they're going to they're going to take care of themselves. But how do we get from the place of saying, okay? I trust they're going to improve, but in the meantime, I've got this mortgage to pay, or I've yeah. got well, this, there's always you know, momentum, car that you know. fixed or mm-hmm. whatever. So how do you how do you get from point A to point B, which is point A is I got this car that needs a thousand dollars worth of work done on it, and I have thirty five dollars in my checking account. How do you get from A to B and make that work? When People think of abundance. They think of money in the bank and all the money that they need to do to do whatever they want to do. And security, you know, that's, most people will say that abundance equals security. Well, that's true, but what abundance really is, is having what you need to do when you need to do it. So if you think of air, you take a breath and you have enough air, you are, you know, in a, have an abundance of air, it's always there when you need it. Food is always there when you need it. Water is always there when you need it. Uh, friendship is always there when you need it. Conversations are always there when you need it. Anything that you need it tends to be there when you need it if you're not worried about it not being there. And so the same thing goes with money. This is a completely high-level understanding of how money works, but money is there when you need it if money happens to be the tool of least resistance. If it's easier for someone to give you something, then that's how you can get it. If it's easier for somebody, uh, for you to find something or whatever, that's how you can get it. Or if it's easy for money to flow, that's how you get it too. The problem is if you focus on lack of money, then you are attracting lack of money. It's probably easier just to take out the idea of money altogether and start super slowly at the very beginning by saying, you know, I have enough air to breathe. I have enough food to eat. I have enough water to drink. I have, you know, friendship and I have love and I have a place to live and I have these things. And it's really a matter of focusing on what you do have and then removing your attention from what you think you don't have. And it's only these things that come up because you're worried about not having money. You can ask any millionaire you want that life is so much cheaper when you are a millionaire 
because these things just don't happen. You just don't have a car that breaks down anymore. You just don't have these problems that pop up because you're not focusing on worrying about these things that ha- happen. And so it's like the Steve Martin joke, how to be a millionaire is first to get a million dollars. There's no easy way to do it, especially if you're living a life of lack. There's a lot uh-huh. of momentum behind that. And the only way to do it is to start adopting another approach to life, which says that I already have everything I need. And I can focus on all the good things that I have now. And as I focus on what's good, I attract more of what's good. And if I, if I really think that, you know, this part of my life is wrong, well, if I focus on that, because the power of your focus is what the point of attraction is, you're going to get more of what you don't like. Mm-hmm. And what Joshua teaches is to turn the other cheek, which means turning away from what you think is wrong towards what you think is good and what you want. And the real problem with thinking about what you want is that when you're constantly, constantly thinking about what you want, you're really focusing on the fact that it's not here yet. Mm-hmm. And that delays it even further. So, you know, people have been told this a million times. Focus on, you know, write down lists of what you appreciate, what you're grateful for, and you bring more of that. I, what we found, or what I've found, when interacting with so many people who are asking Joshua questions, which over the last three and a half years has been over a thousand questions, Wow. Um, is that it is like our approach to life, the, the normal human approach to life, is to focus on what's wrong to solve a problem. Right. And that just doesn't work with this universe that is an attractive universe. You, if you say, you know, I love my husband, but I hate that he's a slob, and you just keep badgering him about how much a slob he is, then you, you will just notice every time he's being a slob. Mm-hmm. Instead of that approach, you would want to focus on every time he's being neat. And it's counterintuitive because you think, well, if I keep focusing on all the times he's being neat, then he's never going to stop being a slob. And that's, mm-hmm. just un- that's just not the way it is. The way it is is you focus on the positive aspects of everything, and that's what brings more into your life. And so you perceive more of those positive aspects, you appreciate more of those positive aspects, you notice when they happen, when he's being neat, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's like en- encouraging good behavior, too. I'm sure that's all wrapped into that with the law of attraction that you're talking about with little kids. You know, you tell little kids what you want them to do, not what you don't want them to do. Right. And, and, you, and then and that works. Right. It works yep. great. It works great. The, the other thing Yeah, absolutely. The other thing is that I find if there's something going on that I don't want to happen or I perceive as being a negative, I immediately switch to thinking about the – it's like I do a complete 360. I will immediately – look to find what's good about this situation. And if I am not in the mindset that I can do that at the moment, then I'll think of something that makes me smile that's completely unrelated. Right. And then I... That's why you're successful. 
this ability to focus on what you want rather than to linger on the things that you don't want, that is a I, – I don't know if you formed that, if you learned that, if you've always been it. like that. I've done it for most of, I would say, most of my life, um, especially my adult life. And I, and I would say probably even in high school, too. But, but the interesting thing about it is, for me, it's a habit, and it feels so bad when I have negative, what we would perceive as negative emotions, that I'm immediately trying to switch it into, okay, this is happening for me, because I've heard you say that enough times that it's embedded in my brain now. There's probably, there's probably a Gary neural pathway that I've laid with this is happening for me. It's in my brain. It's new. And, and so I've added that to the equation, but, but it, I hate feeling crummy. So I immediately am looking for ways to shift that because it makes me feel better. Some people that haven't been exposed to these concepts would say, well, you're just being crazy because you're just denying that this negative thing is happening and you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, you're just being naive about it. Well, yeah, maybe, but I just tend to look at the positive. Yeah, and that is a successful approach to life. When most people, myself included, I would feel negative emotion and it just wouldn't feel that bad. It would feel normal. And I would let it linger and I would fuss over it and get angry and mad and, you know, not realize what was really happening in the situation. Um, And then when I started to to make the switch, which actually occurred by um, getting interested in the teachings of Abraham, Abraham Hicks, and learning how this all works, I was able to start to feel good and realize the importance of feeling good. This is a feeling reality. All you're really doing is feeling something, and you're designed to feel good. And if you feel bad, like a baby, you are supposed to feel really, really bad. Well, if you get really used to feeling bad all the time, then the negative emotions don't really, you know, Catch your, capture your attention like they're supposed to. Right. Now when you're getting used to feeling good, the negative emotion feels really bad and you really notice it and you are really inspired to do something to change how you feel. And, and that is really the key to su- successful living is to pay attention to how you feel, realize that that negative emotion is for you to bring up some fear that's irrational to let you deal with it. And then Raise your perspective so that you feel better. And once you feel better, then you're back to attracting and in that state of allowing all the good things that you want to come. Okay, so here's, yeah. here's a question for you along those lines. When you're with somebody, I know for me, if I'm with somebody who's really negative, it just wears me out. I'm like, oh, my God, it's exhausting. How do you, if you have to deal with a person, let's say it's a family member and you're at a Christmas family event or something and, or you're at a dinner party and you're seated next to somebody who's really negative and I, I laugh because I, there are people that I know and I just want to say this person reminds me of Eeyore from right. Winnie the Pooh <laughs> stuff you know it's like oh life is so hard and I'm so sad yeah. but I just want to go Eeyore snap out of it but h- how can we best deal with 
being in the presence of those people, obviously we're going to limit ourselves, but there are times in life when you're just kind of stuck there and that's happening for us. I get that, yeah. but what it's happening for us, what's the best way for us to, to deal with that situation for well, us, was, not necessarily yeah. for the other person? Well, a lot of it has to do with judgment. So the first thing to do is give up judgment. Give up this idea that people can be wrong or that you can be wrong yourself. Uh, there is no wrong. Give up that idea of wrong and judgment and allow everyone to be as they are. Then you can go into these situations. First of all, it's really important to, um, to set your intentions. So before going into a situation like that, intend to have fun, intend to be surrounded by fun people, intend that the conversation is going to be uplifting and enjoyable, intend to be lighthearted and not take anything so seriously. So you set the tone for it as you go in. Intentions are very powerful. Then you're in a situation like this, and if someone, you happen to be seated next to someone who's grumpy and negative, notice that that's not a coincidence. There are no coincidences. There is no luck. You sat next to them for a reason. So what's the reason? Well, the reason could be to work on your skills of allowing people to be as they are, of being non-judgmental, of having fun, of uplifting them, of finding out what's interesting in their life that they that lights them up. You know, if someone's talking negatively about something, change the subject, find out what they like, and they'll start to talk positively about something. Because everyone has something that they like, even if it's, you know, to moan and groan for a little bit, you can always get them to <laughs> shift around a little bit, play with right. them, and then become good at that skill of changing the subject to something that's empowering. Right. Um, it's all practice, but we tend to allow ourselves to give up our energy and to be sunk down by these people because we don't want to be rude or we don't want to prolong the conversation, so we just go along with it and try to ignore them and try to have them be different. But you know what's interesting is if it's a family member, you might even get into a conflict with them and be like, why are you being so negative? Can't you be different than you are? And that will never work because it's, they're just going to take their own position more strongly and say, you're always being uh, Pollyanna-ish about everything. You're always looking at the good side. Well, that's not the reality. And now you've got this, this argument that you can never win. Right, right. And I have found that the more I try and avoid people like that, the more people like that show up. Mm -hmm. So it's like the lesson just keeps coming into my face until I figure it out that right. I need to quit, quit judging them and, and just listen to them. And, and to your point, try and steer the conversation into something that's more positive. Okay, yeah. great. Interesting. <laughs> I was taught early on in my career, I was a sales rep right out of college and sold hospital supplies. So I was in hospitals all over. And I was taught that when you're dealing with customers, and I have found that this works too in situations, especially if you're with somebody negative, if you just let the person talk about themselves, they'll walk away from that conversation and say, oh my gosh, that Gary was the most interesting guy. Right. <laughs> somebody else was listening to the conversation, they'd say, Gary didn't even talk about himself. It was this other guy talking about himself the whole time. But the other guy's perception of you was so glorious because you took mm -hmm. the time to listen to him. Right. And uh, so that's, that's a little trick that's helped me throughout my life and throughout my career as well. So, yeah, and you well, generally we, turn the conversation to something they're really interested in, which is themselves. Yeah. yeah. Right. Sure, which yeah. we all are. Yeah, mm -hmm. we all are. 
most of us have busy lives and we know that we're not getting the nutrients and the vitamins and the minerals that we need. So I'm always looking for easy ways to ingest them. I found one, it's called Beam Minerals. And what I find is that most of us don't get enough potassium, magnesium, and calcium. Those are the big three. And so what Beam Minerals does is it's put all these minerals in a liquid form that's easy to drink because it tastes like water. It's got all these important minerals and a whole bunch of other ones. and I find that they're really helpful. They save me time, they're easy to take, and I suggest that you give them a try. Go to Beam Minerals, B as in boy, E-A-M, minerals, plural, dot com, and use the code Julie Ryan, altogether, no space, at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your order. That's Beam Minerals, B-E-A-M, minerals.com and use Julie Ryan at checkout and you'll get a 20% discount. Give it a try and let me know what you think. We do the show, everybody, every Thursday night at 8 Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Those of you that listen every week, you probably have a neural pathway that I've laid in your brains, like what I was talking about with Gary a minute ago. Um, if you don't remember these numbers, there's a couple places you can find them. You can go to AskJulieRyan.com, which is my website. Scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, and you'll see the call-in information and times there. Also, uh, if you go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, it's in the body of the description of a previous podcast. I've put it in there as well to make it easy to access. Also, you can um, submit a question online if you're unable to join us. If you submit a question online, it may be chosen to be used either in my weekly newsletter, blog, whatever you want to call it, that I send out on Thursday mornings, or it may be chosen to be read with my answer on uh, one of the shows. But if you've got a really pressing question, call into the show because that's the best way for you to get it answered quickly. Also, while you're on the website, you'll see the little box to click to sign up for the newsletter, and you'll also see another little box where you can schedule an appointment. And then we'll have a, a private session that'll last an hour, and we'll be able to do a deep dive on whatever you want to talk about. If you want to talk about uh, your health or your pet's health or a family member or career stuff, past life stuff. Uh, we can talk to deceased loved ones. It's just a multitude of things. I laugh, Gary, because I tell people I'm a buffet of psychicness. <laughs> so we can, a lot of psychics just specialize in one thing, but I find that, you know, all this stuff is available. And so yeah. it's, it, it makes it really fun and interesting when that happens. So, um, so check that out too. Okay. Back to another question. This is, this is one that I think everybody has, and we're all faced with it, but we tend to steer clear of it unless we absolutely have to face it, and that is what happens when we die. We're, we're faced with our own mortality normally when we're dealing with the death of somebody who's close to us, and that's, I think, a lot of the reason why people are so afraid of it, because when somebody dies and they have such a 
you know, such a sad time and such a hard time when they lose someone close to them. It's because it's a lot of it's triggering their own fears of what's going to happen when they die. Right. So I'm interested to hear what you think happens when we die. Well, what we do is we just return to the non-physical. The physical, this seems like this is our life, this is our reality, but this will feel like a dream. When we return to the, to the non-physical, we will really be expanded, we will really be aware, we'll really be conscious, we will be in joy, uh, time and space won't matter, we will still be focused here. There's a law of continuity that says that you know one moment looks the same as the next moment. As you transition from this moment to the next moment, the room doesn't change. You're in the same place. Everything looks the same. You're still interested in the same things. Well, when you transition to the non-physical, which is a uh, much easier process than coming from the non-physical to the physical through the birth process, the <laughs> death process is super easy. It's light. You, you uh, will, spirit will leave your body. You'll feel expansive. And you will have you know, very clear perception of what you did in this life, of what reality really was. And you'll still be interested in the same things you're interested in when you were alive. You'll be interested in your family and the types of passions that you had. And you'll be able to see those people and be with those people and easily communicate with those people. You know, this ability that you have to communicate and that I have to communicate with Joshua is a natural ability and um, being able to connect to the non-physical. You're not, you were never supposed to think you're an individual here alone on earth. You were always supposed to be able to connect to your inner self and to all other entities that are non-physical who you can bring forth, whether that's a relative that you knew or anybody you can bring forth. And like I heard you say the other day is when you think of someone who's passed away and you get a, and you ask a question or start a conversation and you get an instant thought back, that's what that is. That's communication from that person. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's telepathic and communication. Tele- telepathic. Well, it's you know, non-physical communication, just like your thoughts. Right, right. You think that you create your thoughts. Well, you do not create your thoughts. You attract thoughts. And when you think of a loved one who's passed on, when you have that person in your mind, consciously, if you're all to do it right now and think of some person, that person is brought to you because they're always with you anyway. They're always around you anyway. It's not like human where you can be in one place at one time. They can be at many places at one time. And so when you think of them, they are instantly there. And sometimes you're going about your day or you even have a dream and this is your non-physical communication going with that person. If, if you think of them What's to say that they weren't thinking of you, right? What's to say yeah. they weren't communicating with you anyway? If you get a thought, who's to say who gave you that thought? Right. right? It's not something you created. It's something you became a vibrational match to and it entered into your mind and you received it. Right, right. And, and if anybody's ever had a loved one who's passed and hospice was involved, my mother died in a hospice facility that was an inpatient facility and she's only there two or three days and um, and the hospice nurses I really had fun it was very uh, fun is probably not the operative word it was more interesting um, as my mother was dying it was interesting talking to the hospice nurses about 
family members who are deceased, if the person who's dying, if they see them, and they, they just went on and on and on about, it's even in the hospice literature, most of it, that yeah. expect your family members to talk about seeing their deceased parents or spouse or whomever. And, um, and the family thinks that grandma's hallucinating. Well, grandma's right. not hallucinating. Grandma is transitioning into the spirit world, and she has the ability to perceive. The other thing that I find, and I've written a book about this called Angelic Attendance, and what I find is that the person when they're dying, and I've worked with many, many, many families over the years with this, um, there are angels that surround the person, and so are all of their deceased loved ones, not just from this lifetime, but I believe from many lifetimes, and also every animal spirit that they've ever had. And um, there's a prayer at the end of every Catholic funeral, Roman Catholic funeral, called In Paradisum. And it talks about, and that's Latin for into paradise, and it talks about how the angels and your loved ones will greet you and lead you into paradise. And so I, the best I've been able to figure out is it dates back to a 5th century Gregorian chant. And so I have to believe that Back before we became so scientific and so educated in our cultures, people could see all this stuff that I'm seeing when somebody's mm-hmm. dying. And yeah. I, I find that fascinating. We're, we're so focused on there has to be proof for everything right. that everybody says. And then if we look back really far in history, a lot of the elements that now are coming back to light in the, you know, the spiritual quest, I think that that most people have some inkling of, and some of us more than others. If we look back in history, it it was there. It just got buried, or it got it got edited by different religions in order to try and control the masses throughout the millennia. And I find that really fascinating. Likewise, the Aboriginal cultures in mm-hmm. uh, culture in Australia, they've been communicating telepathically for millennia across thousands yep. of miles. And it's a we think natural ability, but we are so right? fooled by our physical senses, and it takes yeah. up so much of our, you know, experience of life is these physical senses. But there are non-physical senses that eventually, I think, that humans will learn to use in a way that's more balanced. Well, the other interesting thing, there's a new TV series called Genius that's on the National Geographic channel, and it's about Einstein's life, Albert Einstein, the scientist's life. And the first episode was last week, and I taped it, and then I watched it. And it was really cool because it's showing him as a young man when he's in college, and he's probably late teens, maybe early 20s, and it's right at the cusp of beginning of World War II, you know, when Hitler's starting to take over Germany, and he's living in Munich and all that. But it's fascinating because the way that the um, show has been shot and the writing is just fabulous and the scenes and everything are terrific, but it shows him imagining how energy travels through, through space and mass and all this kind of stuff. And I was watching that the other night, Gary, and I thought, oh my God, I see this stuff. The way that 
that um, the Imagine producers, which is Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, who are fabulous in anything they yeah. do, any of the movies or shows they produce, the way that they've depicted it in this TV show is what I see. So they got somebody advising them <laughs> who's seeing this stuff because it That's was right. really, it was very accurate as far as matching the different things that I see when I see energy travel through um, through long distances, like beams of light when I connect with people to scan them medically or to see who their spirit guides are or whatever. And I thought, holy mackerel, they're describing this on this TV show. So for those of you that are listening, you know, go check out this genius TV show that's on the National Geographic channel. It's really, really fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. I will definitely look at that. Okay. Um, All right. Another question for you. Uh, that that I get asked all the time, and that is, how do how do we find our soulmate, and what is a soulmate, and how do we know when we're with a soulmate? <laughs> okay, that's a great question, and I get asked that all the time too. And the answer uh-huh. is that everyone is your soulmate. That without the element of fear, you would love everyone. Fear is the thing that keeps you from loving anyone. And you have the ability to love anyone that you know. Anyone that you're even acquainted to, you have the ability to love them. And if you were put with that person on a deserted island without any fear, everything's taken care of and there's no fears, you would love them. You may not romantically love them, but you would love them. And so if you're talking about your soulmate, it's, it's limiting to believe that there's only one. Anyone can be your soulmate. And... The way to, to really understand that is to give up your judgment of who that person is and, and how they reflect on you. Um, I think that a lot of times in this society, we're very concerned about picking the right person because we believe we're going to be with them for the rest of our lives. And so they have to be really the right person because it's a huge risk to pick the wrong person. And so you're always looking for that one person, that one person, that one person. Well, as it turns out, like my parents, it could be anyone. And for them, it was just the people that they were dating at the time when everyone else was getting married. And so they decided to get married. But you can look at arranged marriages and see that those marriages are more successful on average than marriages that are just, you know, come together out of randomness. Um, so it has nothing to do really with anything other than yourself. And truly, if you are a limitless being of pure positive love, love and acceptance, you are here to express your love without requiring it back from anyone else. Everyone says, well, I want to find someone who will love me. Well, what you really want to do is find someone you can love. And if you can love and accept someone unconditionally, well, that person will be your soulmate. And how they offer you love back in whatever form that is has to be good enough because you can't control how they're going to express their love. You can only control how you express your love. So that's my explanation of soulmates. Well, and the other thing that's interesting that I have found, even with my own parents, my my parents were married almost 50 years. My mom passed before my dad, and my sister used to call them the Bickersons. <laughs> because yeah. they, they would 
bicker all the time. It was just like, oh my gosh, can you just, you know, just <laughs> cut it out at times. But I, and I know several married couples, especially people that were my parents' age, we see less of that, I think, in our generation and in, in generations that are younger than us. But, but the sense of commitment that they had with each other and the sense of love that they had underneath what I perceived and the rest of us perceived as bickering that they just didn't get along, they were very devoted to each other. When mm. one was sick, the other one took incredible care of them and was, you know, there for everything that they needed and all of that. And that I think that plays into with the arranged marriage that you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, that 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 commitment was there. And so my or other people's perception of my parents bickering all the time that they didn't have a good marriage. Well, in fact, they had a great marriage that stood through the test of time, raised four really well-adjusted, at least in my opinion, successful Uh, children and, you know, and grandchildren and all of that. And so I think some of it too goes into what we perceive to be bad maybe really isn't bad. And it goes back to your first comment when we first started this show in that really there isn't anything that's wrong. Yeah, and then, but also, what we perceive as good is only good for us. It doesn't have to be good for everyone. So if you believe that being married to someone for the rest of your life is good, well, that's good for you, And but allow anyone else to go through as many marriages as they go through without judging them as being bad or wrong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if you personally don't see yourself in a long-term relationship or see yourself in a relationship where now it's time to get out, then don't judge yourself as wrong for simply uh, getting out of a situation that you are no longer interested in because there is no right or wrong. And what's wrong for, what's right for some people doesn't have to be right for you and vice versa. You are absolutely able to do anything that you want in this reality and you can make up the rules of how you want to do it. And any way you decide to do it is valid. There is no right way to live or wrong way to live. There's only a, a easier way to do it or a more empowering way to do it or a, a way that will allow more good stuff to come. Or there's a resistant way to do it. And so when you think something's wrong or you're doing something wrong, you're just resisting what it is that you truly want. Well, and I've always found it interesting, too, how one of the commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is, you know, adultery-related, and it's and it has to do with you only get married once, and that's your person for life, and, you know, and a lot of, of especially our Judeo-Christian um, religions all espouse to that. It, I think it's becoming less so as we go through time, but certainly in my parents' and grandparents' day, it was a big, you know, that was a big issue if you got divorced. But I always found that so interesting because back in the day when Jesus was living and even in the Old Testament and stuff, those guys had tons of wives. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true, right? Harems <laughs> of wives. So, exactly. Well, even as a child, I remember thinking, well, if whoever wrote this back in the day, the the custom was that you'd have 15 or 25 or however many wives, you know, how did we interpret that down to we can only have one wife and one husband? What What's yeah. up with that? Well, <laughs> I think that 
the Bible, anything written before the printing press was written by hand and therefore subject to somebody's interpretation or somebody saying, hey, let's not use that part anymore. Let's write in this so we can control this population so that they will be more likely to you know, stick with the, these, these ideals that we have and you know, stick with this religion and we can control and, and uh, write in things that will you know, take over control of the masses so that we don't have these things to fear. So, you know, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not commit adultery, and we all believe that that's a good thing because we have this fear that if they, if our spouse commits adultery, then we're going to feel bad, and we don't want to feel bad, so let's just wipe that off the table initially. But imagine in a real natural world where you are, you know, allowed to enjoy yourself without these ramifications, that would probably be, you know, a better way to go about it. But we can't handle our feelings about it because we believe that we own this person because we're married to them, and that if they commit this sin, then they are, you know, uh, doing something to us. So if you are taking this perspective that everything happens to you, if your spouse commits adultery, well, then there's something else going on there. They're not just being a bad person. They're having this need that needs to be fulfilled or whatever. You can see how the approach to life that you're going or how you're living life sort of caused this. And if you take responsibility for everything that happens to you, well, then you are either controlling, you're in control of your reality, creating your reality, or you're a victim of fate. So on the one hand, as Joshua teaches us, we create our own reality which gives us the responsibility for everything that happens in our life. If we're just a victim of fate, well, then whatever happens is random and we're either lucky or unlucky. You know? So which do you believe? Which are you going to go by? If you're going to go by the one where you create your own reality, then anything happens is your creation. And if you created it, then it has to be for you in some way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now that goes back to saying nothing bad can happen to you. It all happens for you. Yeah. But that's a scary we, thing to think of, isn't it? You know. Well, it is. Yeah, you know? and and especially that's our current day interpretation of that, but if you go back to when it was written, women had less value than the cows and the sheep and they were considered property. And so I remember even as a little kid thinking, okay, what what's up with this? This just doesn't yeah. make sense. Right. It because, doesn't make sense. I had the same thing when I was a kid. It just didn't make any sense to me. So, but boy, I recited it in Catholic schools. We had to recite the Ten Commandments. They want to get you in with these limiting beliefs early. No um, one by, no by rote. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, even in oh. this country, women couldn't vote. You know, until the 1900s. Right. Imagine, and they were considered property. And yeah. there's places on this earth where women can't even drive. Right. I mean, if and you I, don't see that as ridiculous, then. 
when I came out of school, I was part of the wave, and I'm so grateful to the women's movement, the Gloria Steinems and those women who were a couple of generations ahead of me, because when I got out of school, I was part of this wave in the early 80s where they big companies were hiring women. They had quotas to hire women to try and right. and uh, you know get some more women into the workforce, and so I'm very grateful. But what I find is that my son's friends who are women, you know, they're just clueless about yeah. what all the women went through, the suffragists and the Steinems and those guys, um, because they, it's just a natural thing. But I, at my age, I got to see what came before me and what's come after me. And it's really been interesting to watch it all unfold and, and have experienced a lot of it myself. And then I think that's why I became an entrepreneur at 25. I started my first company at 25 because I wanted to do my own thing, but it was available to me to do my own thing because of what these women did before me. Absolutely. It's amazing how quickly things really change. I mean, it's only been a blink of an eye since slavery. I was born in South Africa and left when I was two, and we went back to live there for a year. And as the day we got there, the next day we got there, my mom, my brother, and I were in a store in Johannesburg downtown, and two black ladies came in, and the store clerk who was helping us stopped helping us and said to them, you cannot be in here. And me, as a kid from San Diego, was like, what the hell is going on here? This is unbelievable. And that was 1972-ish or something. Right, right, right. And now you go back to South Africa, and it's more integrated than America is. It's unbelievable the changes made in that country. Yeah. Well, Gary, we are, we are coming to the end of the show. Again, it feels like five minutes when I'm talking right. to you. I can ask you questions <laughs> like from now till kingdom come. But please yeah. share with everybody where they can find more about you, about your books, about your podcasts that you do. And, and he has great meditation tapes, you guys. So how do, how do people find you? Well, first of all, the start by meditating. If you haven't meditated before, that will really get you to understand how thoughts work. You can go to Podbean or iTunes. We have two great podcasts that we do every week. The Teachings of Joshua, I'm sorry, The Teachings of Joshua Roundtable and Joshua Live. Uh, just search my name on Google. You'll see all this stuff. It's Gary Temple Bodley. In Amazon, just search Gary Temple Bodley. You'll see all the books, all the meditations. Uh, we have a website, theteachingsofjoshua.com. It's really easy to find. So if you have any interest in this stuff at all, go to the website and click on there. You can read other people's questions. All A whole bunch of questions are, are there. There's tons of free stuff there. And if you right. feel inspired, just send us a question. Send me a question, and I will type it out and give it to, to uh, Joshua and do my thing, and the answer will come back from this higher intelligence and 99.99% of the people find something super useful out of those answers. 
Yeah, and Gary's, Gary Temple Bodley, his name and the spelling of his name are in the show notes, so you'll be able to see what that is if you just check on the description of the podcast. So, Gary, we're out of time. But thank you so much for joining me again. Everybody, thanks for listening. I'll be back next week and be taking live callers and answering life's unanswerable questions. So I hope you have a terrific weekend and a, and a great week. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to follow Julie on Instagram and YouTube at Ask Julie Ryan and like her on Facebook at Ask Julie Ryan. To schedule an appointment or submit a question, please visit AskJulieRyan.com. This show is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be medical, psychological, financial, or legal advice. Please contact a licensed professional. The Ask Julie Ryan Show, Julie Ryan and all parties involved in producing, recording, and distributing it assume no responsibility for listeners' actions based on any information heard on this or any Ask Julie Ryan shows or podcasts.